The following teaching is from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat at Trinity Pines. We hope it is a blessing to you. For more information about the men's ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, you can visit us on the web at houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. That's houstonsfirst.org forward slash men. Okay, welcome. We're going to talk about becoming a contagious Christian, hostile, secular workplace. And we're also going to talk about bringing your career and your business to your faith. How many of you are working right now? Okay. Do I have anybody that's in what would be called a profession? Okay. Do I have any business owners here today? CEOs? Okay. We're going to hit all of those areas. Now, those of you that are business owners, CEOs, or presidents... Um, at the end of this, I've got a little special, like a three-minute presentation for you that's going to really help you out. So if you can hang back just a little bit, I'll go ahead and cover that quickly for you. Uh, my name is Steve Van Udigam, and I'm the managing chairman of something called the C12 Groups in Houston. That's an executive roundtable for Christian business owners and CEOs. Uh, C12 Groups are all around the United States in 80 different cities. Founded 21 years ago in Tampa. My wife Carolyn and I have had several businesses, and we were in one of the first three groups that were founded back then. We moved here three and a half years ago from Tampa, where we were for 21 years, and everybody says, oh, you're used to this heat. No. <laughs> this is a whole different ballgame. Okay, we're, uh, C12 is, is in building great businesses for a greater purpose. The great business part is best practices, making money. You have to make profit to be in business. But the greater purpose is what we're going to talk about here today. And that is pointing people to God through Jesus Christ in the workplace. And I'm delighted to be able to present some ideas for you here today. We're going to start with a film. Does everybody know who Penn and Teller are? Okay, good. This is Penn. He is a raving atheist, and I want you to watch this and be, listen very carefully to what happened to him. <clears throat> okay, what did you notice about that? <clears throat> what jumped out at you? He was surprised that he wasn't crazy and that he was nice. Okay, what else? It impacted him. Okay. The, the man that came up to him, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Why would an atheist say he's living right when he doesn't believe where he's living? Uh-huh. Good point. Yes, sir. When he started tearing up, <clears throat> when he started tearing up, I think he had doubts about his atheism. He did, he did seem to be emotional, didn't he, yeah. at some point there? Yeah. Okay. Who else? Yeah. I think that he made the point that the, the guy, even though he knew, he, he knew that this guy wasn't probably going to convert, he said he still cared enough. He, he was passionate enough about his own faith. He was passionate enough about his own faith. Mm -hmm. He didn't care what the results were going to be. That's right. Yes. From an unbeliever, someone who is a believer, who knows the truth, that he needs to speak it, and he can't hold it back. And that uh -huh. the importance is yeah. if, if you know that there's a heaven and hell, that you need to share that with everyone. Yeah. What's his famous tagline? What, what's the little catchy thing, the sticky thing he said there? How much do you have to hate somebody not to tell them about that? Isn't it interesting how God spoke through an atheist right there? <laughs> Who actually understood more about this than sometimes we followers of Christ. I saw a couple other hands. Yeah. I noticed that he was very impacted by looking him in the eyes. Yep, excuse me. Yeah, he said, look me in the eye. Yeah. What else did he say? How else did he describe him? Four times. Sane. Good man. He was a good man. You could tell he was complimented on him a lot. He respected his work. You could tell that even though he was an atheist, this Christian respected his work, you know, and that in a genuine manner. You know, God creates us in those ways where even atheists can live out God's purpose and working. God created us for work. That's right. Well said. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, it, you can tell it visibly touched him. Yeah. I'm wondering why he made that. Well, is that on YouTube? Or it is. Oh, yeah, there's, there's like ten versions of it. Some are longer than that right there. Yeah. Yes? It kind of seemed like he had, he was kind of off balance a little bit because 
one guy came up to him and showed, uh, spread the gospel to him. Meanwhile, he has all these other bad uh, stories of people, and he was kind of moaning, like, if this guy's willing to come up to me, how come more people have came up to me? And so it's sure. almost like, I believe if more people came up to him, yeah. he probably would. Yeah. <coughs> Very interesting. Yes, last one, then we'll move on. <coughs> I think one of the big points there is that God uses each and every one of us, right? So you got this guy that's larger than life. Most of us in this room would be a little nervous. <laughs> I think so. Even though that guy worked with him, it made it probably a little easier. For no, him. he didn't work with him. But uh, he, he, uh, he was unafraid. That's right, absolutely. Let, let me make sure we understand what happened there. I don't know if you heard it or not. Um, the guy that walked up to him was what? They were in Las Vegas. He, he, they'd done their show. It was at the end of the show. Who walked up to him? It was somebody that was in the audience. Was it that night? It was the night bef- after that. That's interesting, isn't it? You, you wonder if he had to pray about that. And how many phone numbers did he give him? <laughs> Wasn't that interesting? He remembered him, too. Yeah. He remembered him. Yeah. Maybe he saw the impact of what he's doing in atheism. Can you imagine the impact that this gentleman would have as a Christian? Mm-hmm. Well, we don't know what's going to happen to Penn. <laughs> it may be one of the points that starts, yeah. I was just going to say that I noticed he was always looking off. Uh-huh. There's something internally troublesome with him inside. Oh, yeah. But when he, you know, because normally you can easily look at the computer and do your own thing and say this, this, and this, but he was always looking out. Mm-hmm. Trying to think about what he was going to say a little bit, right. maybe, too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, one more, and then we better move on. Yeah. Okay. I believe there's more than one Christian in there. If we love the guy, like this brother, that we don't even know, this guy's ready. We pray for him today to be a Christian. God's going to stand behind his word. Well, that man dies, he's going to go to heaven. Let's do it right now. Who wants to pray for him? Okay, go ahead. Let's bow our heads. Father God, we just trust you. We love you so much. Mm-hmm. We know that there's nothing that you cannot do. That's right. Father God, we're calling on you now as men um, in this safe place to uh, raise up Penn. Mm-hmm. Just place him in your hands, Father God, mm-hmm. to change his life today. Mm-hmm. Father God, we know only you can do it. We trust in you to do it. Yes. Amen. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Okay. Um, What's stopping you? And by the way, I want to compliment you for being here this morning. This is a really important subject, and you obviously know it, and things are changing in our environments. What could be stopping you from living out your faith in the market or workplace? So, and I, would you be nice enough to write these down for us now? Okay. I have a volunteer to... Go ahead. Being an outcast, feeling like an outcast. Okay, good. Way in the back. Possibly fear of reprisals from HR. Fear, <laughs> the infamous HR department, yes. Fear of reprisals from the HR department. Okay? Doubt. Okay, we're going to slow down a little to let my uh, scribe there. Can you, Doubt. Can you define living out your faith? Do you mean that in terms of sharing your faith or in terms of being a Christian day in and day out? Both. Okay. Good question. Who else? Yes. Uh, could just be because a lot of times you get busy at work and you just don't think to do it. Don't it, it takes a back seat to your your job. Okay, takes a back. We don't think about it. it's not top of mind. Yes, sir. Compliance. Compliance. Tell us about that. Well, in my industry, in the investment world, when you uh, have certain things you want to write, like Merry Christmas, I had to fight five years just to get Merry Christmas on cards. Okay. One of the things we're going to talk about, good for you. One of the things we're going to talk about is Satan is a liar. 
and he's the father of lies. And there's all kinds of lies out there right now about what you cannot do. And hopefully we'll clear some of those up today. There's a lot more freedom that you have than you may realize. So what else? A couple more. Yes, sir. Maybe under a subset of outcasts, but to the way our other world is these days, uh, making people think you are, quote, a Neanderthal, you know. Okay. Or you're a bigot. Bigot. So, so how people will think of us. Right, yeah, they'll think you're a, okay. not smart. Oh, okay, not smart, okay. Yes? I don't want to, I like sharing my, my faith, but at the same time, I don't want to send them to a church where there's no outcasting. Okay. Because you're brand new, no one knows that they're new, and then people are going to be like, oh, wow, you shouldn't be doing that, oh, wow, you shouldn't be doing that, and then they feel like an outcast and they want to come back. Okay, so there, you feel like you're not supposed to do it, there's pressure not to do that. Okay, where does that pressure come from in some cases? Okay, guys, we're in a battle, and I know you know that. Who, who's, who's the enemy? It's Satan, and God's allowed him to be the ruler of the world here. What's his goal in John 10.10? 10? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give you what? And give it to you more abundantly. So those two things contrast there. Satan is created. He's not all-powerful. He's not omnipresent. He doesn't know everything. Uh, he's very limited in what he can do. But that is the goal there. So we have our own sin pulling against us. We have the world pulling against us. And sometimes we have demons pulling against us. So we have a lot of things going against us there, but there's a way to overcome. We're going to talk about that. Let's take one more. Does anybody have one more? Oh, yeah. Afraid of losing business. Oh, yeah. My gosh, if I live my Christianity through my business, I'll lose business. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not true. Go ahead. I don't bring up the, uh, I don't share the faith because of what I assume, it's hard, to, it's hard conversation to start, but I also assume that people already know, or they, you know, they've heard of Jesus, so they can Google it, or somebody's told them already. They can Google Jesus. <laughs> I like that. Hey, they can Google Jesus. I don't have to say anything. <laughs> No, that's a good point, though, because in America, probably most people have heard of Jesus, right? So maybe we assume there's a level of understanding there. That's a great point. Fear of what? I like that. Fear of our inadequacies to what? What if somebody asks me a question and I don't know the answer to it? I'm going to look like an idiot. Okay, we'll talk about that later. Yes? These people report to me. Okay. And so I can't compromise my judgment over, you know, whether they reject my faith or not. Sure. Okay. So what's the limitation on you in that? Your expectation, maybe? Is that what you're... Perhaps, yeah. Okay. That's, that's fair. Good. Okay. Thank you very much. My goal will be to, to help with each one of these here today with this presentation. I want you to leave here empowered. I want you to leave here emboldened. I want you to leave here energized, educated, and encouraged to go out and live this out as appropriate. And we're going to talk about that. Thank you very much. Okay, let's press on. Living a fully integrated life is what? Critical. Why? Oh, but what does fully integrated mean? Okay. Well, it's not departmentalized. I like that. And very good. So it affects all of our life. Yeah. Yeah, you're not, you're not warm. <laughs> you're, you're either cold or hot, and you're hot in this case. Good. Excellent. Now, here's the other reason, and this is the big why here. How we live, when you leave here today, how you live is going to change the demographics of heaven. Because of you being here today, I hope the Lord will use you and there will be thousands and thousands of people that will have a relationship with Christ because you're here this morning. That sound pretty good so far? Amen. Okay. <clears throat> What's eternal? That is, what, 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 what is going to live forever? What's that? God's words, one. Souls of men, what else? God himself, <laughs> okay, and heaven and hell. Everything that you have right now is going to go away. The last breath you take, you're not taking anything with you. 
Those trophies you won in high school or college for athletics are going to be gone. That Mercedes 500 SL that you drive around, 550, it's gone. The souls of men are going to live forever. But this is the most important thing that we can think about. Okay, part of this is evangelistic. I know you don't like the word evangelism, but there's five different kinds of evangelism. Number one is proclamation. Everybody thinks of Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham, that whole scenario of seeing millions of people can really damage things. Is anybody here able or qualified to get up in front of 100,000 people and speak about the Lord? Probably not. But yet we think that sometimes, don't we? I know that's happened to me anyway. Maybe not to you. Number two is confrontation. We all know that guy, right? The other, thing, the other thing we think about is the guy on the street corner in New York City, right? Fifth Avenue. He's standing on a, some kind of a, a stool or something. What's he doing? You're going to go to hell. <laughs> and we think, that's crazy. But you know what? That reaches some people. Believe it or not. That actually, I'm not suggesting anybody do that. But it does reach people. The other is something in your church. I went to your church service on Sunday. Boy, was I blessed. Andy Pettit, what a guy, huh? Sign those uh, baseballs. I wasn't sitting in the right spot when he threw the baseball. I didn't catch it. You've got a program where you have these little tickets, and you give these. You invite people to come to some of these events at your church. That's very intentional right there. It's very nice. It's very gentle. You're giving somebody something. A lot of people like that. Uh, the next is uh, passive. Passive can be if you have a cubicle or an office or you're a business owner. Uh, you could put a Bible on your desk. You could, you could put some scripture up on the wall, scripture on your signature of your email. There's all kinds of things that you can do that are fairly passive. The last one is relational. And that's what we're going to talk about here this morning. Your relationship. The man that came up to Penn had a connection with him right away, didn't he? For some reason. And he said, I'm not crazy, right? I'm sane. <laughs> and he looked him in the what? Looked him right in the eyes. Good. We're going to talk about that. Now, a breakout session, this goal, as I've mentioned already, is to strengthen your life as you move forward here today. Some of you need it more than others. Are you a businessman who's a Christian, or are you a Christian who's a businessman? What's the difference? The priority. Priority? Identity. Identity. Where your identity is. Okay. Tell us about that. right so how does that play out how do we, how do we notice if somebody's a christian that's a businessman or a businessman who's a christian when do we really see the effect of that do you think okay but how does that play out that's true yeah Ooh, when the oil prices go down people get laid off you're a business owner i've got some c12 members uh biz, christian business owners their revenue is down 50 percent and they're rejoicing you know why they're rejoicing? Because they're learning that they're getting better. They're finding ways to get around things. They're actually more agile, and they know it's going to come back. And when they come back, they're going to be stronger because of that. That's a perspective that people have. So it's when things go wrong. That's absolutely right. Okay. God's product is the process. What does that mean? God's product is the process. Does God care about what happens or how it happens? How it happens. Hey, you guys are sharp. Absolutely. How it happens. So here's one that comes up a lot of times. So how many managers do I have here? You have people reporting to you. You have managers here? You've got to fire somebody once in a while, right? Now, if they know you're a Christian, what is, when you go to fire somebody, what do they say? How can you fire me? You're a Christian. What's the implication there? <laughs> No accountability. What's that? The devil made me do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Devil, not my fault. The devil made me do it. That's right. <laughs> How you interact with every single human being is what God cares about. It's not the product. It's the process. And that process in that video was huge, wasn't it? How that man approached him. That was a God-honoring pro process, wasn't it? Yeah. 
God's product is the process. Things like a recipe. What's that? It's like a recipe. Certain things have to happen in your life, and all of a sudden, boring, it all comes together in, in an individual and says, I think I believe. That's a great point, isn't it? But this guy ain't got a chance anyway. That's not what we want in the United States, though. In the Western world, what we want is, okay, I'm going to give, the, let me get a name here. Here's Brian right here. Brian's lost his days long, and I'm going to give him the gospel. What do I want him to do? Accept Christ. So I can put a notch in my belt and say that I led somebody to Christ. You don't lead anybody to Jesus Christ. Who leads, who leads, who saves people? The Holy Spirit does. That's exactly right. What pen, what pen interacted with? Who did pen interact with? He interacted with Jesus Christ. He doesn't even know it. <laughs> That's who he met when that man walked up there. And is, Jesus is going to meet somebody in your workplace, in your business, in your vendors, in your customers, hopefully. He was speaking life. Did you notice it? But he, goes, he said towards me, he goes, I know there's no God. He said, I know. He was convincing himself. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's no God, and this isn't going to change me. It did. What's that? Oh, if he ever accepts the Lord, (laughs) boy, look out. When? Thank you. We prayed. Good. Thank you. Okay. What is your goal when you go on a mission trip? What's your goal? I'm talking about a mission trip to another country now. What's our goal? Huh? Be obedient. Would you do me a favor, my little scribe over here? Would you please put these up here? <laughs> Sorry, you don't have to write quite that big, but that's okay. Yeah, keep going on, on the right-hand side there. Okay, uh, what was that? Be obedient. Be obedient. Okay. What's that? Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Okay, what else? Yeah. Share the love of Christ. Okay. How many of you have been on a mission trip? Okay, some others. What's, your, what's, what's the goal? What's your goal? To serve. Serve. To serve. Love it. Provide a basic need. What's that? Provide a basic need. Provide a basic need. Excellent. These are great. Yes. Change hearts. Change hearts. In what way? Uh, Bring people to Jesus. Bring people to Jesus. Let them experience. Is that what you're going to say? Bring people to Jesus. Absolutely. Okay. One more. Display Christ. What's that? Display Christ. Display Christ. Okay. Excellent. All right. Now. You ready? That's, that's mission trip. You're doing a great job. Okay, over here, if you would, put a line, put a line, and then put work. Okay, what's your goal when you go to work? Now, be honest here. I want honesty. What's that? Save money. Make money. Make money. What else? Keep your job. Especially today. Make more money. Make more money. Be productive. Make more money. Make more money. Why do we want to make more money? To work less. <laughs> okay. What was that? Provide more for our families. Retire. Provide for our families. Retire. What's that? To succeed. Status symbol. What do you mean by that? Well, more money. You know, as you pay more money, usually obtain more objects. Give me an object. Mercedes. Mercedes, okay. 500. Yeah. Huge mansion. Huge mansion. You can't just have a mansion anymore. You build a business. We've got to build that business. Why do we have to build a business? Make you look good. You're successful. What else? God created us to work. God created us to work. There's nothing wrong with work. Not a thing wrong with work. Unless the goal is off-center. You do not, those of you that have several business owners here, um, you're not going to like this, but you don't own that business. Who owns the business? God owns that business. Now, if there's any business owners here this morning that do not believe that statement, we will pray right now that God takes away everything he provided. Any, any takers? I can't think so. And that business is a platform for ministry. Okay, so we have some goals for business. Watch this. What if 
you viewed your workplace as your mission field? Did somebody say, I don't? Why don't we? How would your perspective, that perspective, impact your attitude and behavior in the workplace? I want you to really think about that. You actually care about people. You care about people. I got to tell you, my, my corporate world, uh, my, my career 12 years, I got to tell you, I didn't look at people very well. They were just a way to get things done so I could move up the corporate ladder. And I did that. I didn't care. I restructured things. I fired people. And I didn't do it very nicely. I was not really a believer then. And I was in church for 36 years, but I didn't have a relationship with Christ yet. And I got to tell you, I got all the way. I got, I was 38 years old. I was a vice president of a $250 million public company. Now, back then, that was back in 1998. And the president of the company said, Steve, you do not have to worry. I'm not going to sell this company to anybody. Those rumors aren't true. What happened next week? <laughs> Sold to Unisys, big billion dollar company. All the stock I had got transferred into Unisys stock. The stock when it was transferred was 25 bucks a share. Went to 15 cents a share. So, it's not the product, it's the process. And I, I, to this day, I feel bad sometimes how I treated people. But once I came into that relationship with Christ, it did change. And I hope it changes for you. I think you probably are okay. Well, how else would our attitude perspective change? What else? We do all of that in the workplace. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's somebody in your workplace right now that needs Jesus Christ big time. Yes, sir. We have a God-centered focus instead of a self-centered focus. Perfect. God-centered focused rather than a what? Self-centered focus. God-centered focus rather than a self-centered. Okay, did you, somebody over here have a? Yeah, I think we would look at our, and I struggle with this, the the difficulties, the frustrations that you face at work, you have the right attitude. You know, those are, those should be second, third order issues as opposed to, you know, the guy who sits across from you that's lost. I have a C12 member that's a pretty good-sized company, and Kroger's one of their customers. It actually represents 40% of their business, which in itself is, a, is an issue. Uh, they came at them, and they made them do some things, like tell them what your profit is, what, you know, what you buy your stuff for, and all this stuff. And it just took six months of this awful stuff, and they could have lost that business. And I was so proud of them because they didn't care. Because who's in control of everything? God is. He's sovereign. And they figured out a plan. If we lose this business, we're going to have to let these many people go, but we're going to be okay over here. And they found out some weaknesses in their business, and they had such a peaceful <coughs> attitude in that. And, and that's hard to do in those situations like that. Did you have a question or a statement back here? Oh, yeah. The good thing about that, I think God's a thing. Whenever you have, like, new employees or something like that that don't necessarily do what's right, Oh, did you just hear what he said? Everything, would you write that up there, please? Everything in business is based on trust. Everything in life is based on trust. <laughs> Boy, that's a huge concept. I wish I had about a day to speak about that. Okay, let's press on. <clears throat> now, here's Jesus' behavior. Uh, you remember, he, he was sitting in the synagogue. They gave him the scroll and he read it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because it has anointed me to proclaim what? Good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners or captives, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord, which is the gospel, to set the oppressed free. What are not yet believers? What are not yet believers thinking? What are they trying to do? They're trying to fill a void. Tell us about that. What do you mean, Brian? Why are we created with a hole inside of us? You've heard that, right? God-centered hole? Why, why is that? What happened? How, how'd that happen? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. What about that? Separation from God. Okay. Eve took the apple or whatever it was. She took a bite of it. 
boom, relationship with God was gone. Before that, they had God, they had Jesus, because he was then, he was there then, and they had the Holy Spirit. The minute she took that apple, what'd she lose? And Adam lost. Holy Spirit's gone. There is a hole in the relationship with God and Jesus Christ. That hole is there. I don't care how many Mercedes you have, Bentleys that you have, I don't care how many houses you have, it is not going to do it. Has anybody ever been there? Where you had a bunch of stuff? Anybody? Okay. When I was 46 years old, I had everything I could buy possibly. And it did not satisfy. The only thing that satisfies is God's love and understanding our identity in who we are in him. You guys know that already. Okay? Let's press on. Our daily mission field. Watch this. According to Barnard Research, 191 what? Are in the workplace. Every single day they're there. Okay? Half of those are on the freeways in Houston. 30% actually attend church. Unfortunately, only 15% of those 30% go to Bible-believing churches. You are fortunate to be at First Baptist. I went to the service on Sunday, as I mentioned. It's fantastic. You guys have a wonderful church. 30% go to church. I do mean half. 15%. In other words, half of those. According to Barnard Research. Okay, 133 million people are not yet believers. There they are. You want a big mission field? It's right under your nose every day. And that's why Billy Graham said, I believe the next great moves of God are going to be through, through whom? You in the workplace. <clears throat> Our greatest fear, this is from Francis Chan. Does everybody know who he is? Very popular. Our greatest fear should not be of what? Failure, but of succeeding at things that what? How many things do you have in your life that you're trying to succeed at right now that really don't matter? I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just asking you a question. You don't have to answer. Just think about it. <clears throat> just think about it. It is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular. It's what? Why he does it. Nothing wrong with making money. Nothing wrong with providing for a family. But at the end of the day, that person that's sitting right in front of you is somebody God created. That's the most important thing. <clears throat> to change the demographics of heaven. To change the demographics of heaven. Best practices. Okay, principle. God has to be your source. And God has to be your what? Goal. Why? I'm, you guys are doing a great job of taking notes. God has to be your source and God has to be your goal. Why? You're saying too much. You're, you're doing all the talking. Go ahead. I'm just kidding you. Those are friends. Yeah, yeah. You can get off track. Absolutely. Good point. Here's another, a couple other reasons why this is important. And I, you probably already know this. Galatians 2.20. If you need a life verse, this is it. I've been crucified with Christ and what? You don't live. But who lives in you? Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the body... I live by what? In the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he lives in you. That's who Penn Gillette met that day. Who needs to meet him in your workplace? If you're a business owner right now, how many employees do you have that do not know Jesus Christ? By the way, they're not there by accident. If you're a business owner, should we hire not yet believers? Bring them in. Heck yeah. Now, maybe not in a leadership position. That's different because we don't want to be on the yoke. Okay. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. How many of you would like to see all kinds of people come to Jesus Christ because of how you live? May I see your hands? Okay. I'm sorry to disappoint you. You're probably not going to see that. It's okay. 
is long, because it may take, I think this gentleman right here made a good point about this. What is it, Wayne? Made a good point. It may take a hundred interactions with people before somebody comes to know the Lord. For me, it took Promise Keepers. It took the Billy Graham Crusade. It took the Jesus video. It took a weekend, a, a retreat. I mean, it took all kinds of things. And I'd been in church for 36 years. I thought I knew Jesus Christ, and I didn't. I did not have a relationship with him. So it's going to take a long time. So don't be disappointed if that happens. And understand, does it have to be a big thing? Does it, does it have to be a big deal? Like I've got to explain the gospel perfectly to somebody. It can be a pat on the back. It can be somebody, if you're a business owner, that did something really stupid, but yet you treat them with grace. That could be it. Yes, sir? Say again? Okay, that's a great point. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. That's a very good point. Okay, let's press on. Okay, you've got to decide what kind of workplace you're in. Those of you that are employees or your professionals, you've got to decide. We've got spiritually hostile over here, okay? And we have spiritually open over here. How many people think that if it's a public company, you cannot share your faith in the marketplace? Let me see your hands. Okay, that's not true. It depends. So, if you're, and I'm going to give you an example. This is a C12 member, just happened to know. This is his vision statement. Our purpose of American home buyer is to what? Can you read it? Glorify God by providing the house's most trusted home buying firm. He is a member he is, uh, of First Baptist, Houston's First Baptist. Okay? So, that's one of the ways that you can find out in the mission statement, whether if you're thinking about working for somebody. I, I had a conversation with Jonathan over here this morning about, you know, when you're interviewing with somebody, how do you really know? You can tell by their mission statement and core values. Okay, so those are the two spectrums right there. Let's take a look. Uh, which camp works best? I don't witness verbally what the gentleman said right back there. I live my life and wait for others to notice something different and ask me about it. That's called the walk only. Nothing wrong with that. God can use that. We also have the talk only. <laughs> I'm sure nobody knows one of those. <laughs> the Pharisees were the talk onlys. Okay. But again, can God use that? Absolutely. We're going to look at a video here. <clears throat> Let me get the beginning of it here. Whoa. This guy is out of control here. What did I do there? As Christians, when people bring up the topic of evangelism, what do you think that means? Well, in my experience, people usually end up in one of two camps. Camp one says you need to talk about Jesus and live a life that's consistent with what you believe, and camp two says all you have to do is live a good life. It'll speak for itself. Well, hang on. There we go. As Christians, when people bring up the go. topic of evangelism, what do you think that means? Well, in my experience, people usually end up in one of two camps. Camp one says you need to talk about Jesus and live a life that's consistent with what you believe. And camp two says all you have to do is live a good life. It'll speak for itself. Well, first of all, it's a big jump to assume that anyone can live a good life, don't you think? I mean, Romans 3, 10 through 11 says none is righteous, no, not one. No one does good, not even one. But that doesn't convince you. In Mark 10, a man comes up to Jesus and kneels down before him and says, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds promptly with, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Now, not only was Jesus subtly claiming to be God here, he's making it pretty clear that nobody is good except for him, hence the no one is good part. But this is the sideshow to the main event, folks, so step right up and let's get down to it. Let's assume when Camp 2 says good life, they just mean if you live a visible, godly life, people will, just by watching you, understand all they need to know about God. Okay, let's play that out, shall we? Let's, let's ask Bruce if he can help us. Hey, Bruce, hey. So Bruce grabs a more and helps witness and a Christian, and he tells you to follow each of those folks around, and after simply watching them, you'll know all you need to know about God. Now, each goes to a place every week and sits among like-minded folks. Each person prays, each treats you with respect, each loves his family, is honest with his money, and is basically a nice person. So, which God do you take based on just watching? Who's right? How do you know? What do you compare unless they tell you why they do what they do? Talking, it seems, becomes critical. No doubt nature reveals much about the invisible attributes of God, but how do you know exactly what he requires of you? I mean, who he really is, 
and what his ultimate plan is without some kind of specific revelation from him. I mean, how would you know if your mother wanted you to paint the left wall of the garage red if it wasn't specifically communicated to you in some way, usually by writing a note or speaking to you? So what did God think is the best way to communicate the specifics of his will? Did he summon corpuses to do a modern dance? Did he draw a modern dance? Precisely the things he wanted you to know. He intervened throughout history and spoke through men, ultimately moving some of them to write the Bible. That is, spoke to the Lord to know. How would we know if God created the heavens and the earth in six days, that Adam and Eve were created in a perfect world, that their rebellion brought sin and death into the world, that it's the grace of God through faith in Jesus alone that saves us? How would you know that Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave? How would you know any detail about God and his word and his plan if nobody told us? Well, we wouldn't. We couldn't. And that's why you gotta tell people things. You, you just can't hope people will catch on by watching you live a so-called good life. It's just not enough. Ultimately, you gotta tell them why you live that way. But don't just take my word for it, my inquiring Doreen and Band of Misfits. Read along in Romans 10. How can they know <laughs> they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? Jesus himself definitively declares in Matthew 28, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. It's kind of hard to baptize in the name of somebody without actually saying the name. Now, that was not a criticism of what you said at all. There, 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 are, there are times by how we live is extremely important, particularly in a hostile environment. It makes a big difference. So it's not one or the other, it's what? It's both and, exactly right. Now, now I know you meant that. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? When we actually let Jesus love somebody through us, that makes a big difference in their life, doesn't it? Well, then it's not up to us either. That's right. There's a lot of people that do good in the world, but they don't do it for the glory of God. And that's where the difference comes in. Sure. That's kind of a guidance. It's First Peter three fifteen. Okay. And it's one you really you should spend some time on. First Peter three fifteen. Awesome. Okay. Um, in an open environment, evangelism. God, you got to watch this. We're going to have to wrap up here. Evangelism is not salesmanship. It is not urging people, pressing, coercing, or overwhelming them, or subduing them. It tells a message. And the message is the good news. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you his point. There you go. To give them a reason for the hope. Now, we're going to, because we're running out of time, we're going to jump to something very quickly here. In, in, in an environment where it's hostile, that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22. We have to pray for the people that we work with. If you're a business owner... Uh, you control, really, that environment. But if you're working somewhere, we've got to pray for the leadership of that company. We've got to bless them. And we've got to live this. And here's a statement. Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time. And always start with the person that's what? Nearest you. You might recognize that. That's Mother <laughs> Teresa. Now, over here, turning objections into opportunities. I'm going to skip over this just, just one second. Well, living out our faith in the marketplace is not about forcing our beliefs on others. It's about remain, remaining true to what? Your beliefs, our beliefs, just as members of various faith traditions and non-believers should be free to do. A couple things I want to say here. Best practice, number one, if somebody challenges you about something or acts, do not react negatively ever to anybody. It doesn't do any good. Does anybody ever know when anybody's been argued into heaven? Not going to happen. Love's going to get it done. The Holy Spirit's going to get it done. Be gracious and humble always, no matter what they do. In addition to that, do not be discouraged. Recognize the value of doubt. Is doubt bad? Oh, if you get somebody asking questions about your faith, that's the most wonderful thing that can happen. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. Use Scripture whenever possible. Not to beat them over the head with it and show them how smart you are. And not even saying what the reference number of it is. Gee, how'd you, how'd you do that so well? Well, I walk by faith, not by sight. That's scripture. 
It's okay. In addition to that, be honest about not knowing something. Somebody earlier said, I might not know the answer to the question. What can you say to somebody if they ask you a question and you don't know the answer to it? I don't know. Right? I don't know, you, I'll look it up for you. <laughs> okay, that's good, except the last part. Could be even better. What's that? This is interesting. Okay, those, those are all good. What's the best thing that could happen? What's that? How about we find it together? Would you like to look for it together? That's a great question. Is that not honoring to somebody? Oh, yeah. And then, then what you got to do is get the Bible out. Ooh, there we go. Okay, in addition, respect their point of view. Be a detective. Gee, Penn, that's interesting you're an atheist. How'd you come to that conclusion? I really would be interested. What do you base? That's, that's interesting. Help me with that. Good. If you ask them questions, then they start coming. If you ask them questions why they believe they believe, some, sometimes they start doubting, well, wait a minute. Well, again, we're not, that's true. We're not there to manipulate, though. We're there to actually understand why? I had a, a server in a restaurant in Tampa, very, uh, really uh, not very happy guy, and he had a tattoo in his arm. And I said, uh, hey, Bob, that's a pretty impressive tattoo. Tell me about it. 25 minutes later, <laughs> his whole countenance changed. And it was kind of interesting what that was all about. I'm not, I don't care for tattoos very much, but the point is we became interested. Okay. What's that? You know, he smiled the rest of the time there, and we got, we got extra food. <laughs> Wasn't the reason we did it. Respond with a face story if possible. Okay. Now. Here we go. Steps of strength. You've got to prepare your testimony winsomely. You've got to develop some quick openers. You've got to learn how to share the gospel. We're going to do that right now. I want you to develop right now your own. By the way, if you need any more detail on these, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. If you want to email me, I'll, I'll send it to you. There's a whole thing I have that explains those areas right there a lot more completely. So if you get that, if you missed it, I'll get it to you later. Here's an exercise. I want you to tell the person next to you, how, who you were and how you thought and lived before trusting Christ. I'll give you 15 seconds to think about it. And you tell the person next to you and then he's got to tell you. 15 seconds. Who you were and how you thought and lived before you trusted Christ. I was a prideful, arrogant, self-centered business person. Ready, go. <laughs> Okay, good job. Okay. Okay, that was good. I had hurt. I didn't, but God did. <laughs> okay, wait a minute. Now, the next, we're not going to do it now because we don't have time. You, I, I pray that you will practice what you just said to be ready when somebody asks you that. And the second thing is share how you came to Christ in something that's about 30 seconds or less. Then share, how has this relationship changed your life? How was I before, came to the Lord, this is how I am after. I was a pain in the rear end, I was prideful, I was arrogant and self-centered. I met Jesus Christ, his love came into me and I cared about people more, I cared about children more, I cared about where they were gonna end up after they passed away. And I came to Christ on a spiritual retreat on a Saturday afternoon. When he said to me, after all I've done for you, how do you think I could leave you? Okay. <clears throat> Caution. This is a biggie. And I'm going to end with this. Be sure not to relate eternal life to church membership. 
This is not about denominations. This is not about a church. It is about what? Personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I didn't have for 36 years in the church. And I was an elder in the church, and I taught Sunday school and all that. Okay? Guys, you have been a wonderful group. If you're a business owner or a president or a CEO, I have a legal little legal thing here I can share with you quickly. And there's a booklet right here, An Employer's Guide to Faith in the Workplace from the Alliance Defending Freedom. It is absolutely outstanding. This will protect you. If you want to hear just about three minutes of that, stay behind. You guys have been wonderful. Who would, who would like to pray us out of here? Real quick, I got one more thing over here. Yes, sir. We all have a job. Yep. We may not know how to preach people and know how to bring it up and work. But if you pray about it, God throws the opportunity out there to me. We will feel much more successful being a Christian knowing we did God's work. Absolutely. You are absolutely correct. That's exactly right. If you ask God every day to use you, he will use you. Thank you. There's two resources for you. Uh, your pastor, Greg, has a book coming out in November called Impact. I certainly suggest that. That workplace grace right there is the best book I've ever read on this. Okay, who would like to pray us out of here? Okay, thank you. Father, we want to uh, thank you for an opportunity that we are able to come and just be able to speak about you in a very free and open place that's uh, free from persecution and oppression. And Father, that you have purposes and callings on all of our lives and different uh, spheres of influence that we have. Mm -hmm. Father, we pray that we would be very sensitive to the way that you speak to us about uh, what you whisper to us uh, in the quietness and the stillness of our, of our rooms and the times that we spend with you that we would be able to go out boldly into the workplaces, Father, that we would be bright lights in very dark places. Protect us as we go out from here, Father. Give us the rest that we need, that we would be able to go out boldly, and that we would uh, walk in the victory that you have called us, uh, called us to walk in. It's in Jesus' name that we all pray. Okay, one last thing. There's a person in your business, there's a person in your workplace that needs Jesus Christ, his love. Write that name down right now on your, on your pad someplace. Think of that person. Write that person's name down. And ask God to give you an opportunity next week. God bless you. Thank Take you care. for taking the time to listen to this message from the 2015 Man Up Men's Retreat hosted by Houston's First Baptist Church. We hope this message has been encouraging to you and pray you have a great day.